That's Luther Vandross, and I am Tavis Smiley, and I'm delighted to have you tuned into our program today on this uh, Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, what a great program it's been so far, celebrating, commemorating the life legacy of JFK in that first hour, um, 60 years after his assassination. In our third hour, we'll be joined by Tiffany Haddish. We'll have some laughs and some good times in our third hour, uh, again, as we head into this holiday weekend. But in this hour, a very serious subject matter. I've been trying to get to this for quite a while. Uh, with a dear friend of mine. I should just start this hour by telling you I've known this guy for almost 40 years. I've loved him since the day I met him. Uh, we've done a lot of great work together, had all kinds of conversations, and just spent some good time together. And I thought of no one but him uh, when it came to having this particular conversation, which is not going to be an easy conversation to have, uh, but no one better than him, I think, to have it. So in this hour, as I promised, what makes you an anti-Semite? anti-Semitic or guilty of trading in anti-Semitism? Is all criticism of Israel anti-Semitic? I don't think so. We'll see what he thinks. We'll be joined uh, in this hour, for the hour. We are, in fact, joined, I should say, because he's live in studio, by uh, Steve Leader, the senior rabbi of one of America's largest synagogues, the Wilshire Boulevard Temple here in L.A. I've been there many times, spoken there many times, love that facility. Uh, but this dialogue uh, uh, in this hour will be about why so many, so many fellow citizens are being labeled and canceled these days for being so-called anti-Semitic. Indeed, just yesterday, amidst this Israel-Hamas conflict, Academy Award-winning actress and human rights activist Susan Sarandon was dropped by her talent agency, UTA, for comments that were deemed anti-Jewish at a pro-Palestine rally in New York City. Uh, we'll unpack that and a great deal more in this hour that we are joined by my friend and brother, the rabbi, Steve Leader. Steve, how are you, sir? I'm well, Tavis. Couldn't be happier <laughs> it's good to, to see be you, with man. you this morning. No, it's good to see you, man. I thank you for your time, and I've been wanting to have this conversation. But again, these things aren't easy to talk about, and no one is better at this than you. So I wanted to invite you in. I'm glad you took an hour to come, to come uh-huh. see me. Let, let me start with this before we get into that part uh, of our conversation. Uh, there's news today, of course, Israel, Hamas have, uh, Israel and Hamas have negotiated a hostage deal. Um, uh, so they're going to exchange these hostages. Uh, there's a four-day ceasefire. But after that, as you well know, B.B. Netanyahu, who I once interviewed, has already promised bombs away. They're going to start this thing right back up again. Um, Your thoughts? I think there's a tiny handful of people who are qualified to opine about this ceasefire and the hostage exchange. It's Mm -hmm. actually a hostage-prisoner exchange. They're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the people who made the deal. Um, if I sat on the Israeli war cabinet, I would have an opinion about the wisdom of this ceasefire. And, and, uh, but only a tiny handful of people know about it, Tavis. And this is one of the things that's so annoying is the nicest word I can use. Mm-hmm. Uh, infuriating might be a better way to put it. About people who have opinions about things they know absolutely nothing about. I think there are times in life when you got to let the driver drive Mm. because they're the only one who really knows uh, the entire landscape and situation. So I'm actually agnostic about this ceasefire. If if everyone involved thinks it's best, I'm for it. Mm -hmm. If up until now people thought it was not for the best people in the know, people Mm -hmm. whose lives and the lives of their loved ones depend on it, if they were against it, I was against it. I'm really agnostic about this because it's completely, you know, out of my lane. And and 
I, I don't think we bring anything positive to the conversation when we're speaking from a position of, frankly, total ignorance. Mm-hmm. Here's what, here's what surprises me, and we're just getting started. Let me let me just get this out, and we'll let you respond when we come forward. Um, I've known you, as I said, for almost 40 years. We've been the best of friends, uh, and always will be until we take our last breath. Um, and yet, I'm surprised to hear you say you are agnostic about this. And I'm surprised, Steve, because how can you be agnostic about anything that's saving lives? If only for four days you have a ceasefire where, to your point, hostages and prisoners are being exchanged, that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, lives are going to be saved over the next four days. That's a beautiful thing. I'm not excited about the bombs away approach four days, five days from now, but I'm surprised here you say that where lives are going to be saved, where people are going to get their family members back, that you are agnostic about that. I want to probe that when we come forward. No, I didn't say my, yeah. I'm agnostic about that. You're agnostic about what? What did, I, what did I miss? I'm agnostic about whether or not this is the right thing to do in the larger context. I have no idea. But, 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 you're, but you're talking, really about, you're talking going, about the ceasefire, though. I'm talking about the ceasefire. Is it really ultimately going to save lives? Right. I don't know that, and you don't know that. Let's talk about it. I guess this is why we've been friends 40 years. We can do this <laughs> and, and not choke and each other. And still be friends. Yeah, and not choke each other to death. Because <laughs> I'm not buying it just yet. But maybe, right. maybe he'll convince me when we come forward. You're listening to the rabbi, Steve Leader, on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Our guest is Rabbi Stephen J. Leader. He's uh, written a bunch of books. I'll tell you about some of those later in this conversation because there are two or three of them that I would highly recommend you read. He's a brilliant, brilliant author, uh, an amazing thinker, uh, public intellectual, uh, and more. And just a great guy. Uh, And I'm pleased to have him in studio talking about, um, as we will get to in a moment, what is an anti-Semite? What does it mean to be anti-Semitic? How do you get accused of you know, trading and anti-Semitism. So many people are just being canceled these days, and some of us just don't get it. Frankly, I don't get it. Why some of these folks are being canceled for expressing themselves. There's got to be a way to have this conversation. I don't like it. I'm totally opposed to this notion of cancel culture across the board. But certainly in a space like this, you know, if you can't talk about something about which you agree, then what's the point? So we'll get to that later in this dialogue. But back to your point. You, so I, I want to be clear what, you say, what you're saying you're agnostic about. Yes, okay. okay. You want me to answer yes, that question? I do. Okay. I do. <clears throat> when I said I was agnostic about the ceasefire and hostage exchange, mm-hmm. what I mean by agnostic is uh, no one could argue that it's going to be a beautiful thing, hopefully tomorrow, mm-hmm. when we see the first kidnapped children uh, come across the border into Israel. No one could argue that. My point about being agnostic is whether or not in the long run, is it ultimately saving lives or not on both sides or either side? Mm-hmm. And the there are people who I think are qualified enough to make that bet, and they've made it. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of them. It's almost like, obviously, the order of magnitude is completely different, but was, was dropping the atomic bomb on Hiroshima life-saving ultimately? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why it was done. Mm-hmm. It was done to end the war faster. Mm-hmm cause fewer deaths by, in the short term, causing more, which is sort of the opposite of this ceasefire. Mm -hmm. Who knows, really? Um, And that doesn't make a person in favor of murder or in favor of killing or or completely um, 
uh, opposed to either of those things. All I'm saying is, is in this specific case, I trust the people on both sides who made this decision that it would ultimately save lives, not just in the short run, mm-hmm. but in the long run. To, to your point about the persons on both sides, let me pivot for a second and we'll come right back. Uh, I've maintained, this audience knows that, that you got the wrong people on both sides uh, at the table. Bibi Netanyahu, who I've interviewed again, is the wrong person. Hamas is clearly uh, the wrong group. So it's it's hard um, for me to to process a space uh, like this that we find ourselves in where you got just the wrong people at the table. Well, it's a failure of leadership all around. Yeah. And by the way, vis-a-vis Palestinians, let's be straight up about that. Palestinians have been the doormat of the Middle East mm-hmm. for a century. And they deserve better. They deserve better from their own leaders who have failed again and again and again to make peace. They deserve better from their Arab brethren and surrounding Arab nations Mm -hmm. who, from everything I can determine, don't care at all about bettering or uplifting Palestinians. They deserve better from Israel. Mm-hmm. And they deserve better from us. Full stop. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the important word. However, that has nothing to do with Hamas and October 7th, 2023. Nothing. Because Hamas's mission has nothing to do with the betterment of the Palestinian people or, or what could have been in Gaza. Tavis, Gaza could have been another Singapore. It could have been a flourishing nation with self-determination and freedom and seaside resorts and desalinization plants and solar farms and working farms and businesses and world-class universities and hospitals, etc. It could have been had Hamas either not been elected or when elected chosen to do what was best for the people of Gaza. They chose otherwise. Instead of choosing what was best for the people of Gaza, they chose instead to do what was worse, what was worst for the people of Israel. And and that was their decision, not Israel's decision. So we need to disambiguate the admittedly very complicated, very nuanced, very frustrating dynamics and issues between everyone in the world, really, Mm -hmm. and the people of Palestine or Palestinians. We cannot conflate that with Hamas and October 7th. Hamas's mission has nothing to do, as I said, with the betterment of Palestinians. Read Article 7 of the Hamas Charter, which says Hamas's mission is to murder Jews, not Israelis, Tavis. Jews. So, yeah, we've got the wrong people mm-hmm. all around. I agree with you. I hear your point loud and clear about uh, conflation, and I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that wholeheartedly. Uh, you're going to press me in this hour, and I'm going to push you in this That's hour. That's fine. All right. So let me push you on two things. Um, there are those, to your point earlier, that you trust those at the table to make a decision about whether or not this will this ceasefire for four days will ultimately save lives. Um, I can guarantee you, I can, I can give you one sure way to save lives. That Israel doesn't begin these bombs away, this bomb away campaign. Really? Yeah. Can can you assure that allowing Hamas to survive and rebuild and thrive ultimately, ultimately, 
will result in the saving of lives? I don't think we have any evidence to show that if Hamas is allowed to survive and thrive and rearm and do whatever it is they're going to do, I don't see any evidence that that's a life-saving decision. So when does it end? Well. Never? Maybe never. I'll be honest with you. Mm. Um, Sometimes, Tavis... Well, let's put it this way. You and I were both Midwestern guys, and and we were raised to believe that if you do the right thing, there's going to be a good outcome. And if you do the wrong thing, there's going to be a bad outcome. If you make the right decision, there's going to be a good result. If you make the wrong decision, a bad result. But I've learned as a rabbi over almost 40 years, Mm -hmm. living on the inside of other people's lives, and in the world. Sometimes you don't have a good choice and a bad choice. You have a bad choice and a worse choice. I think Golda Meir put it pretty well. She said, if, if we have to choose between being dead and pitied or alive with a bad reputation, we'll take the bad reputation. Mm-hmm. That's life. That's the Middle East. Now, here is a hopeful note that I think is really important. Why did Hamas choose to do this now? They chose to do it now because they wanted to sabotage the Israel-Saudi Arabia peace treaty that was very close to being completed. Why did they want to sabotage that? There are a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that Saudi Arabia is Sunni, not Shia. Saudi Arabia has the two holiest sites in all of Islam within its borders. 85% of the Arab world is Sunni. So had this agreement gone through, and I hope it will, Mm -hmm. it would have removed the religious component from the Middle East dynamic. It would have been a cold peace, okay, but a cold, a peace nevertheless, with 85% of the Muslims in the world. So that, they wanted to sabotage that deal. And why am I hopeful? I'm hopeful because we know that peace deals with Israel and Arab nations, it works. Okay, they work. Egypt worked. Jordan, working. UAE, working. Bahrain, working. Sudan, working. Morocco, working. And it will work with Saudi Arabia, too. You can make a deal with Israel. You can make peace. That is where the hope is. That is what will change the dynamic. You cannot make peace with Hamas. So let me let me come to this. Um, let me ask a question first before I offer my, my point of view. So it is your view that for Israel to engage a ceasefire that is permanent, not just for four days, um, is a victory for Hamas for them to engage a ceasefire well israel will only are you talking about a permanent ceasefire permanent ceasefire well we know how permanent the ceasefire was Mm -hmm. that it was existent on october 6th you gotta start somewhere though okay you gotta start somewhere well we've started somewhere many times yeah okay and you gotta gotta do it again it doesn't end where you start so when you i'm just cautioning you when you say you know a complete and total Mm -hmm. everlasting ceasefire I, I think that's a dream. Yeah. I don't think that's a realistic. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean a permanent ceasefire in this moment. I'm right not naive. I, yeah, yeah. Right I, now. I'm not naive. I understand that yes. something may happen I, six months from now. Yes. But I'm talking about a permanent ceasefire right now, which many, which many in the world are calling for right now. Well, they're not living 100 yards from Hamas terrorists. But there are a lot of Israelis, though, who are 
They're not calling disagreeing, for, disagreeing with Bibi on his approach to this as well. That's different than saying they're advocating that Israel stop everything now and allow mm-hmm. Hamas to remain a threat. Fair enough. I don't believe that's what Israelis want. I think you're right about uh, that. And so um, a, a ceasefire at this point, frankly, would make all of the things Israel has done to defend itself to date all for naught, frankly, because it's going to lead to just another round, another metastatic situation. So until Hamas is either gone or weakened to the point, much like ISIS, where they will no longer have the capability to massacre, murder, rape, behead, dismember, burn, and kidnap, uh, I, I don't see how you're creating a lasting peace. And there's no, and there's no number there's no number of dead babies. There's no number of dead children that upends that frame for you, that upends that, that equation for you? I think, the honestly, the better question is, is there no end that upends that equation for Hamas? Israel is not the one hiding behind civilians. Israeli soldiers are not underneath hospitals, mosques, and elementary schools firing rockets indiscriminately by the tens of thousands. So I think what's happening is tragic, but it's very important we point the finger in the right direction. Mm -hmm. You know, Tavis, this issue of, this is going to be harsh to say, but I hope it will be clear and be be seen as I intend it, Mm -hmm. which is coming from a place of disambiguated moral clarity Mm -hmm. is the fact that somewhere between six and eight million German Nazis and civilians died in World War II, but about 500,000 French and maybe 600,000 British died. So is that disparity, does that mean the Nazis are the victims? So when you look at number of deaths on either side and choose that as your singular metric, your only variable when you consider morally what is right and what is wrong, you're making an enormous conflation and an enormous moral blind spot. Every death is tragic. No good human being could ever say anything otherwise. But again, there are ideologies in the world that are so dangerous and murderous and metastatic. And this is what always happens in those cases. This is the flipping of the script, Tavis. And and I'm saying this to you as your friend and your brother. Don't do it. And what I mean by that is, This is the Hamas playbook. Murder. Now let's talk for a moment about disambiguating murder and killing. Mm -hmm. So many people have reached out to me and said, Rabbi, what about the Sixth Commandment? Thou shalt not kill. What's Israel doing? My answer is that's not what the Sixth Commandment says. 
The sixth commandment says in Hebrew, lo tirzach, which is the biblical Hebrew word for murder. Thou shalt not murder. It does not say thou shalt not kill. They are not the same thing. There are two different words for that in Hebrew, just like there are in English, so because say, so they're you, not the same thing. So you make a distinction between murdering and killing. Correct. And so the, here's and the, and what the difference happens. is what? Tell me the difference right quick. Well, the difference is murder is unprovoked mm-hmm. and done out of aggression, not out of self-defense. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. If someone breaks into your home and shoots you in the head, that's murder. If someone's breaking into your home about to shoot you in the head and you shoot them, that's killing. Mm-hmm. Now, they both result in death, mm-hmm. of course, but they are not the same thing. And so how does the f- script get flipped? Hamas murders, forces Israel to kill in self-defense, even kill innocent civilians behind whom and underneath whom the murderers are hiding, and then... The murderer flips the script and claims the victim is the victimizer. But there are two things in that regard. One is, watching my time here, let me just get this out. We'll continue on the other side. Okay. Um, there are two responses to that. First is, while I accept your frame, it is the indiscriminate killing that people are concerned about these I, days. I, this, this, I, killing, this killing, to use your word, I'm using your word. Yes. This killing seems indiscriminate, number one. And number two, you and I would no more want to be responsible for the things that Donald Trump says or does, because we didn't vote for him to become president, then Palestinians want to be held accountable for what Hamas does. And it's but, not fair to them. If, it's not fair to e- Palestinians. Even, 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 as we, even as we critique Hamas. You may recall, uh, oh, it's not fair to them. Yeah. Nor was it fair to us. That we had Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> exactly. All right. But yeah. imagine that Donald Trump is not just who he was and is, but imagine he had his finger on a button and pressed it. Okay. Now what? For some people, Donald Trump did that. Uh, but I'll, I mean I'll literally. Right, well, he, 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 and I mean literally, too. It wasn't reported in that way. But there are people whose lives were lost in COVID and beyond uh, yes. because Donald Trump I, didn't push a button. or okay. Take your metaphor. So, hold, hold that thought. All right. Let's you'll, come you'll, back. You'll speak next. Now we're, we're talking. Yeah, now we're talking. He's my, friend, he's my friend and brother, believe it or not. And I love him. And there ain't nothing he can do about it. His name is Rabbi Steve Leader. You listen to him right now on Tavis Smiley. For all the freedom-loving folk. This is Tavis Smiley. I feel like who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. It does indeed. Uh, I knew an hour wasn't going to be enough um, uh, time with, with, with Steve Leader uh, to unpack these issues. It's complicated. If, if they ain't figured it out in centuries, we ain't going to figure it out in an hour. But Well, it is and it isn't complicated. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 know, I know where you're going. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. I see it coming. I think October 7th and Hamas mm-hmm. is, not, is, is not complicated at all. I think when you conflate it with things that are complicated, you're also disguising the truth. You know, there's this old Yiddish expression I love, which is a half truth is a whole lie. Mm-hmm. And so when you conflate <laughs> something so that's clearly a, that's a wrong, great line, isn't yeah. it? It's a great line. When yeah. you conflate something so clearly yeah. wrong with things that are more nuanced and complex, you're turning you're turning it into a half-truth. Yeah. Um, two questions I raised earlier that I want you to respond to right yes. quick. And we we got to get to this anti-Semite okay. thing. Yep. That, that's a whole other issue. Yep. Um, do you feel at all for those Palestinians who didn't vote for Hamas 16 years ago? They may, We can call them thugs all day long. And I, I no, argue no, that. Hamas. Yeah, Hamas. You can call thugs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We can call I, them Hamas thugs. But, but what about those Palestinians, though, who didn't vote for them, who are now feeling like these young people weren't even born then, some of them were not. Correct. And they feel like they're being punished for this. They're being punished for Hamas's choices and decisions. 
They are the victims of Hamas. Hamas is hiding beneath them and behind them. Hamas chose rather than to build a beautiful nation. You know, this business about occupation Mm -hmm. is more conflation and nonsense. There hasn't been a Jew living in Gaza since 2005. How is this occupation? Hamas made a choice to make their mission dead Jews instead of a thriving state for Palestinians. That was their decision. I feel for those innocent Palestinians. I feel for innocent people living under the the thumb of a cartel in Central America. I feel for all of them. But that doesn't make Hamas Israel's fault. I don't, want, I don't want to go point for point with you on this because we don't have time for that. But for those who use the word occupation, the definition of that in part would be Israel indiscriminately pushing further and further, deeper and deeper into the West Bank, number one. I agree. That's a problem. Yes, no, no, number I two, agree. Number two, you know, Jimmy Carter used the phrase, got in trouble years ago, apartheid is the world's largest open-air prison. They, they can't move freely. Okay, let's and stop there. And in moments like this, they, they let's stop like the electricity. Let's the, stop I'm, there. I'm just saying that's the answer to the occupation I, question okay. that you ask. Yeah. No, they're not the same thing. Occupation has nothing to do with Gaza. Does it have something to do with the West Bank? Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with Gaza. And you want to say Gaza is the world's largest outdoor prison? I agree with you. Mm -hmm. It is. But Hamas is the prison warden. And by the way, Egypt has the keys to the front gate. You know, there are two countries with borders with Gaza. Israel is one of them. The other is Egypt. Their border has been closed for more than a decade. Now, let me ask you something, Tavis. If, if Israel's border is mostly closed, originally it wasn't, there was so much hope, and still about 30,000 Palestinians, Gazans, worked in Israel every day. Mm-hmm. Now we find out some of them were mapping out the kibbutzim so that the murderers would have an easier time of it. It was still the right thing to do. But when Israel closes its border with Gaza, and Egypt closes its border with Gaza, maybe the problem is not Israel and Egypt. Maybe the problem is in Gaza. And furthermore, let's even let's just accept other people's view that it is the biggest outdoor prison in the world. Mm-hmm. When someone gets out of prison, are they entitled to rape and slaughter and cut off women's breasts and gouge out people's eyes? And, and dismember children in front of their parents like butchers. Let's just even accept the premise, which I don't, but let's people do. When someone walks out of prison, does that give them the right? It does not. And, and furthermore, it is dehumanizing to Palestinians, and, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I am, and to Hamas, because to say, well, what can you expect? What else could you expect from them? Is to dehumanize them. That's calling them animals. But, and it's robbing them of agency. They have agency, Tavis. They chose to do this. I had a guest on this program yesterday. First of all, for starters, you know that I'm a King student. I've written a book about King, as you know. He's my hero. You know all of that. I thought I was your hero. You know, you and you and King. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not in that order, but you but you and King. <clears throat> Had a guest on this program yesterday who said something very profound. Um, and this is Kingian to mm-hmm. the core. Mm-hmm. 
that the, the answer to violence mm-hmm. is not even nonviolence. It certainly isn't counterviolence. It's anti-violence. That's the answer to nonviolence, anti-violence. Mm-hmm. I interviewed B.B. Uh, one time, as I mentioned earlier, and I asked him um, whether he'd ever considered the Kingian notion of nonviolence as a possibility in the mm-hmm. Middle East. Mm-hmm. Of course, he smirked at me, he laughed at me, and then he and I went at it. And we went at it because when I quoted Dr. King, B.B. looked at me in the face and said, King didn't know Hamas. King didn't know Hezbollah. And you know where I went. Mm-hmm. You cannot be serious with that kind of response, with what King was up against in this country and black folk were up against. Don't give me that nonsense, B.B. He and I, he was prime minister. I tried to be respectful, but we went at it. I'm asking you the same question I asked B.B. Why can't nonviolence or anti-violence rather than counter-violence be an answer to what's happening in the Middle East? Because it's suicide. It worked in this country. Black people showed the okay, world that this, it can work in this country. I'm sorry, Steve. this country as unjust and racist as it don't say was it, Steve. don't say it is. steve steve don't say it let me don't say that don't say what what you're about to say please don't say what you're about to say i'm not just don't say what i think you're about to say let me put it okay i'm gonna do it anyway go ahead and do it anyway. you're my friend okay. but go ahead hezbollah has a hundred and fifty thousand guided missiles that can reach all of israel steve you're doing it you're doing it don't Tavis, do let that me finish go ahead okay? go ahead go ahead and it is an existential threat to the entire to half the Jews in the world in the in the blink of an eye. So look, an existential threat not just to freedom, rights, etc., which is horrible. Literally, Iran has a finger on a button that can destroy half the Jews in the world, about 7 million and people. And what do you think the Klan was for black, and, and not just the Klan, the government. Yes. What do you think that was for black folk in this country, Steve? It was the same right. exact thing. That's why I said, please don't but, do that. But in your case, first of all, yeah. in, your, in that case, mm-hmm. I don't believe that nonviolence or anti-violence was a certain road to suicide for black people. If it was, I don't, I'd be very interested. Well, you know King as well as anyone. Mm-hmm. If it meant suicide for black people in America, would King have remained in favor of an anti-violent approach? Because that is a differentiator in this case, suicide. Look, if, if Hezbollah laid down its weapons tomorrow, mm-hmm. there would be peace tomorrow. If Israel laid down its weapons, there would be murder and slaughter. I'm not sure about tomorrow. That. I'm not oh, sure about that. Oh my goodness! I'm Tavis. not sure about that. I know, I know. I know. It sounds strange to say that, but that's exactly that is that is Prove the message. Prove otherwise. I ex- Prove otherwise ex- ex- in the Middle East. Ex- 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 no, Exhibit A is the civil rights movement. No, no, that's no. Exhibit A. No, it's a different neighborhood, my friend. Oh, Prove Steve. otherwise in the Steve, Middle East. People are people. People are people, Steve. If people are people, Tavis, then there wouldn't be any of what any of the friction points in the world if we had a sense of common humanity. We do not in the Middle East. We do not. And all I'm saying is we didn't have that in this country either. I digress when we come forward. Uh, Steve gets the next word. We'll talk specifically about the anti-Semite, anti-Semitism thing. Got to get to that. Uh, our guest is Rabbi Stephen Leader. Love this guy. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. From the Merc Park with love, love, love this love. is Tavis Smiley.
Hard talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. 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 We could do this for hours, Steve. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope we do. <laughs> if we had hours, uh, and that ain't even why I had you on. I, we, we talked about we've talked about Israel and Hamas because there's breaking news today, of yes. course, about this uh, uh, four-day ceasefire that will happen after this exchange takes place. So that's how we started, and we spent 50 minutes talking about that. Right. Uh, in the 10 that we have yeah. <laughs> left, go ahead. Uh, I want to focus. Um, I, I, just, I, I just want th- this audience, and I want as my friend, mm-hmm. as your friend rather, I want to hear from you your take on people being canceled for expressing themselves and where the line is mm-hmm. between disagreeing with Israel politically and having a right to do that as Israelis do inside of Israel. Yes, of course. And being called an anti-Semite or anti-Semitic or being accused of trading in anti-Semitism. Where is yeah. that line? Well, I don't want to be evasive, but I have to quote the great Justice Potter Stewart here. Okay. Uh, for Jews, I it, it was, you know, Potter Stewart was asked to define obscenity for the Supreme Court. Yeah, I remember this, yeah. And, you know, his answer was, I can't define it, but I know when I see it. <laughs> I know it. when I see it, exactly. And yeah. I would say it's very much like racism right. for blacks, right? Mm-hmm. Where's the line, Tavis? Mm-hmm. Well, you can't quite define it, but you sure know when you feel it yeah, or when you see it. But, so but that's, that can be subjective. That can be really it subjective, is, though. It is subjective. Right. So that's number one. We have to accept that. I accept that. I accept it. Secondly, I would say um, anything, anything or anyone who justifies hatred, I call it Jew hatred, not mm-hmm. anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. Jew hatred, mm-hmm. or is a Jew hater themselves... Mm-hmm. And they're applying a different standard to Jews and Israel than they have applied to anyone else anywhere in the world. That's an indicator, my mm-hmm. friend, that this is not this is not about some moral high road. It's about hating Jews. Mm-hmm. For example, where were the marches when Assad gassed Palestinians in Syria by the tens of thousands? Where were the marches? Where were they? Where where were the marches in this country when uh, Iran was imprisoning, torturing, and executing women for showing their hair in public. Where were the marches? Where were they? Where were the marches when Yemen has already kicked out about, I think, about three or 400,000 Afghani refugees, some of whom have been there for three generations, and their plan is to expel 1.7 million where are the marches? The response wasn't as intense. I take your point. It wasn't as intense. Nowhere near. I take your point. Yeah. 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 Nowhere near. Yeah. And so it indicates to me and to many others. That it's about Jews. This is about something other than. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's about it's about hating Jews. And which I think, now, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be popular with some of your listeners right now, but you and I, we, we're brothers. We tell the truth as mm-hmm. we see it. Mm-hmm. And in America, I think a lot of this, a lot of these kids marching on these college campuses, they couldn't find Gaza on a map. Mm-hmm. They're graduates of the University of TikTok, okay? <laughs> they don't know. But they're marching, yeah. okay? And I really believe that some of this is about hatred of white privilege. And if you want to hate white privilege... You can do it with a free pass in America if it's about Jews, because most people don't care. Our remaining moments for Steve Leader when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Unapologetically progressive. Unapologetically blind. Black, black, black.
You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now. Got three minutes left to go. I wish I had, to do, I wish I had two more hours to do this, but uh, we've got Tiffany Haddish coming up in um, the top of the next hour. Look forward to that. Um, so we're going to do a dramatically different show the next hour that we've done in this hour. But I want to just mention um, uh, Steve Leader is, is brilliant and thoughtful, and even if you don't agree with everything Steve said, that's okay. Um, we've been friends 40 years, and we don't agree on everything. But I, I love his truth. I love his, his, his courage. Uh, I love his expression, and I love his books. And I want to just mention a few of them. Um, More Beautiful Than Before is an amazing book. You have to get this book, More Beautiful Than Before. Uh, For You When I Am Gone, uh, great book. Uh, and the third I want to mention is The Beauty of What Remains. They're all amazing books, um, bestsellers, many of them. But people have been so empowered by his written work, uh, say nothing of his sermons every week uh, at the Wish of our Temple here in L.A., but More Beautiful Than Before, For You When I Am Gone. The Beauty of What Remains, all these books available wherever you get your books. Uh, and his name is spelled Leader, L-E-D-E-R, Stephen Z. I always have that Z, Zane. Uh, <laughs> Leader. Right. That's right. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll give you the last word. we got two minutes. And there's no question. Just the, it's, it's, it's the holiday season. It's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Last word to you. Yeah. Well, first of all, and, and from my heart, I want to say on air what I said to you a minute ago off air, which is thank you. Um, you are welcome. I and and I mean that not only for being my friend and for what you do in the world, but thank you for being true to who you are and your mission by inviting me to speak with you today about these very difficult topics. Um, you know, uh, there's an old story that comes to mind which is uh, these two, two guys drinking in a bar, and one of them puts his arms around the other and says, oh, I love you so much. And the other says, how can you say you love me when you don't know what hurts me? Mm-hmm. And today has been an exploration of what hurts on, on all sides, yours, mm-hmm. mine, and, mm-hmm. and people we don't know 10,000 miles away. Yeah. And uh, I'm... One of the things I've always been grateful for and particularly grateful for is my my friendship with you over all these years. And I'm going to offer a counterintuitive Thanksgiving um, idea. Mm-hmm. Generally, we go around the table. We say thank you for the blessings in our life and yeah. all the things we have. Let's think all of us around our tables this Thanksgiving about the things we have we want to get rid of. Mm. Let's rid ourselves of, of arrogance and pettiness and hatred uh, and half-truths and envy and bitterness. So this Thanksgiving, let's not just count our blessings for what we have. Let's think about what we have we want to shed and rid ourselves of. And that's why he is um, he's brilliant, and that's why they love him at the Worship Boulevard Temple. Uh, one of the nation's largest synagogues, and that's why he's written these books that people gobble up because he has so much wisdom to share. Uh, I'm out of time. Tiffany Haddish is standing by uh, for this third hour. Steve, I, as I said at the top, I love you, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. I love you like a fat boy loves cake. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> More of Tavis Smiley. Uh, Tiffany, and, and, and Tiffany's the comedian, not you. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. <laughs>